God bless you. God bless you. We welcome you to Spirit-Led Broadcast. This is your friend, John Arcovio, coming to you live from Irvine, California, every Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific Center Time. We uh, broadcast and come to you with wonderful kingdom discussions and uh, from time to time, the Lord allows us to have wonderful guests. And today we are going to be having uh, a guest, Apostle Daniel Zelli. Uh, he leads the Harvest Rock East Bay Church in um, the uh, Northeast Bay, uh, Byron, California, uh, San Francisco. And he recently transitioned <clears throat> last year from Australia looking forward to hearing his heart and hearing from him. And again, um, I've been very sick the past week. So if I'm kind of stuffed up, I apologize to you in advance. I think I'm over that nasty virus that just took me out completely. <laughs> but I still have quite a bit of congestion. So hopefully I won't have any coughing or sneezing or anything unpleasant like that while we're doing the broadcast today. But we want to welcome you and encourage you to share this on whatever social media platforms that you are watching from. And uh, absolutely looking forward to um, uh, just seeing what God would have. I do want to mention before I bring Apostle Zelly on that this particular uh, coming weekend, we are going to be uh, in Kentucky, at Henderson, Kentucky, at River of Life Church, uh, with wonderful friends of ours, uh, Shane and Jeannie Amar. We'll be ministering on uh, Saturday evening and Sunday morning uh, this coming weekend, uh, May the 13th through the 14th. So if you're anywhere near the Henderson, Kentucky area, we would love to connect with you and uh, perhaps minister if the Lord leads uh, Mama Jennifer will be with me on this trip, so she'll be ministering in uh, either one or both of the service, depending on how the Spirit leads. So that, of course, is this weekend, May the 13th and the 14th, at River of Life with Pastors Shane and Jeannie Amar. So again, we'd love to connect with you and see what God would do. Well, without any further delay, we're going to bring on Apostle Daniel Zelli. And uh, hello, Apostle Zelli. God bless you, sir. Bless you. Thank you for having me on today. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for being instant in season and out of season. Uh, that's kind of an inside joke, but uh, just Apostle Zelli was scheduled on the 30th uh, to speak with us, and that's what I initially asked him to Come. In fact, matter of fact, today we were supposed to have um, uh, Apostle Glenn Matthew speak, but he had last week rescheduled. And I changed it in my date book to have Apostle Zelly today, and then I scheduled Apostle Glenn Matthew on the 30th. But then between doing that, I went down for the count and totally forgot to inform Apostle Zelly that he had been moved. So last yesterday, I was trying to wrap my head around what I had to do this week after being pretty much in bed for a straight five, six days. And I, my notifications popped up on my phone and it said that 
Apostle Daniel Zelli was going to be here tomorrow. So I thought, oh, I got to send him a, an invitation and, and, and all the information. And I sent it to him. And, of course, his, his assistant um, uh, contacted me and said, uh, isn't he scheduled the 30th? Well, by then it was a mess because I had gone in and changed all the announcements from the 30th to the 9th. Anyway, we're here. <laughs> I'm thankful that there's people in the kingdom of God, like Apostle Zelly, that's organized and together and never has these problems. <laughs> that's what helps the kingdom go forward. <laughs> well, Apostle, I know that um, what I felt to, to talk with you about was your transition and also just, you know, being relatively... Uh, new, so to speak, to California, uh, just transitioning here from the wonderful country of Australia. Mm -hmm. I've been there several times. Uh, I've been there to Sydney, ministered in a conference, and I was there about five years ago in Melbourne. And then, of course, I used to go to Papua New Guinea quite a bit and do a crusade there in the years past. This is probably 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I would fly through um, uh, either Auckland, New Zealand, or fly through Sydney to get to Port Moresby uh, to do our meeting. And um, so I have a little bit of, of, of uh, Aussie understanding, not too much. But uh, Would you like me to speak American or would you like me to speak Aussie? You know... Uh, well, I can lay it on, mate. I can bring it on that you can probably not even understand what I'm even saying. You know? But, you know, you'd be all, all good for that, but I can stick with the American if you like. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, just throw a mate in there now and then. I think we'll be okay. <laughs> but uh, Apostle Daniel, why don't you just share with us your transition to America and just, you know, anything you feel about that. Uh, and then perhaps maybe a little bit as the Spirit leads you on um, just your uh, understanding of the demographics and what the Holy Spirit is doing prophetically in sure. California, especially you being in the northern uh, sector for sure. But sure. Uh, welcome, Apostle Zelly. Thank you. Well, uh, you know, it has been it has been quite a transition, and uh, I am a very planned person. I uh, have been trained in the whole area of executive project leadership and things like that, and um, in this transition, I'd like to say I had a master plan, but my only master plan was to follow what the Holy Spirit was doing at the time. And so it has been full of surprises um, uh, for me. I came to America a year ago, and that involved a direct Macedonian call from the Lord in the Spirit, meaning that I didn't have anything to come to just the holy spirit beckoned and said go to america and so it was really quite a scary thing to leave because i'm well known in my country from a ministry point of view to leave all that behind to lead uh, to leave the existing church network that i'd set up which was doing very well at the time jump on a plane come to america without knowing what was going to happen next. Mm. So, uh, and there's a beauty in that. And you might say, well, what, what was the strong motivation for that? I mean, you don't just do that, you know, just as, a, as an idea. There's got to be a strong call. 
of course, I, I made this myself accountable to my wife and she bore witness that this was uh, something that God was calling us to. And, and, and so, you know, I had that release uh, to start off with. And then um, uh, why America? Well, America is an amazing country. And it has been probably one of the greatest countries in missions, hands down. There is a uh, there is a beauty over America, in the in that they have a generous spirit. Firstly, the country was founded on freedom of worship, but secondly, and. This is an outsider looking into that country and, and bringing out aspects of America that I believe enable America to be such a powerful missions country. And that is the area around the topic of finance. America has a liberality to do with finance that you don't see in other nations. Amen. It's, it's unique to America. It's a giving spirit. Even so, uh, um, down to your tipping. I love this tipping concept that you've got going in this country because it's so foreign to me because in our, in our country, we don't tip at all. Um, you know, um, I don't know. I apologize to all those hotel people that, you know, uh, take bags up for the Aussies and then they get up to the room and they, they put their hand out for the tip and, uh, you know, the Aussie gives them a high five. You know. <laughs> You know, what are you wanting? Um, but we don't tip in our country and um, to our detriment. But um, within the very psyche of American people is this giving and generous spirit. Now, I know some people feel entitled about that and all that sort of, you know, all those sort of complications. But in general, this is over the, over the nation. And so I believe that idea, which is a godly principle of generosity, has allowed the country to be generous in its expansion of the gospel. So there is a calling on America for missions to lead, to bring the gospel, gospel to the nations. So there's a calling on this country. So that is uh, one of the first things that um, attracted me to America and its strong missional call. Now, if I explain my history, it will, it will understand why this was such an attraction you'll understand why this was such an attraction to me. My history has been that I have planted many churches in, a, in Australia, but predominantly when I was at university, I did five years of university. When I was at university, um, I, was, uh, I encountered a whole lot of people from different nations. And that justice streak rose up in me when I saw that just because they were born in a different nation, the hardship they had to go through, which in our, in our country, education was free at the time. The hardship that they had to go through in order to get education was just through the roof. But what really troubled me was just because they were born in a different nation, they, didn't, they weren't exposed to the gospel. They didn't have the freedom of getting exposed to the gospel. And this was, this was just not right for me. <laughs> And so I purposed right back then in, uh, in university is to focus on countries that have been, that are closed to the gospel. What I mean, 
is that generally Christianity is not accepted in that country. And that has led me on a 20 year journey of which I've got some many amazing stories. But I have seen in that work, countries open up to the gospel. In one nation, it was a communist nation. It's now no longer communist. And I've been had the opportunity of planting 750 churches in that country. And so, um, you know, that mission of really taking the gospel to those that didn't have freedom, you know, that weren't deserving, uh, that they were deserving, but they didn't, they were restricted in the gospel. It was so strong in my heart. It was a compassionate thing, but it was also a justice thing as well. And, uh, you know, when I look at America, because of the call on their life, they have done more in this area than any other country. So if you understand my heart to see the gospel given to people, it's it's not just a it's not just a, a aggressive ambassadorialship of the gospel. It's a generous thing. It's a gift. And there's no better nation that carries that generosity in their DNA than America. Amen. And for that reason, I think God has blessed the nation. And for that reason, I think that uh, America has led the way in seeing the gospel promoted. You know, that really rings a, a note of resonance in my heart because I know that personally, I think this is the first time that you and I have actually had a chance to sit down and talk. We've served alongside each other and done things together, but um you know, I spent close to 32 years in a Pentecostal denomination ordained. And, <clears throat> you know, I I do believe that my departure from that denomination was led by the spirit. And But I, I, I have a, a great heritage that I appreciate. And that is this particular denomination was very, very focused, especially my spiritual father at that time. His name was James Kilgore, had a great passion for nations and put that passion into me. To, to serve and sacrifice and do whatever it takes to see the gospel go to nations. And so as a result, the 32 years that I was ordained in this denomination, um, God graced us to be able to travel to over 40 na nations, well over 275 crusades and conferences and churches being built. And, you know, that just that thrust of just really pouring yourself out. And so I experienced that growing up and I'm thankful for that. And um, now that we've shifted and the Holy Spirit has connected us with Harvest International and, uh, you know, uh, I believe that, you know, that is a heritage that is partaken of, you know, kind of like us being children of Abraham. Yeah. You know, it's a spiritual heritage. And yes, while America has been obedient to it, I believe that God is bringing and drawing leaders of all nations because it's a kingdom principle, generosity, to yeah. slow. And, um, you know, I personally, even when I go out to restaurants, whether I have it or not, I have always given at least 20 or more percent. Yeah. There's been a few times I've been in a restaurant that I really felt to bless some uh, a waitress and I would press into her hand cash that was more than the entire bill. Yeah. Just because God spoke to me to bless her or maybe give a word to her. And so, you know, this is a beautiful thing. And, um, of course, God brought you to uh, Northern California. You're now leading the uh, Harvest Rock um, East Bay, 
and um, you also serve as an apostle with Harvest International Ministry, as commissioned and on that team. And um, you've been in California now uh, about a year. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about just how God has spoken to you. I know that my story is a little different. I didn't come from another country, but I had spent um, close to uh, 20 years in California planting churches up and down the coast. And then about <clears throat> 2017, God directed me to go to Houston, Texas for a season, mm-hmm. a season of healing, a season of restoration, because I did suffer some things leaving the denomination. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when I met with the general board, they told me I could leave, but it would be painful. And it was. And uh, I had to have a season of just rest- restoration and healing. But it was in 2021 um, that God spoke to us. And the word he gave to us was that many people had given up on the city of California. But that because we had sowed seeds up and down this state for more than 30 years, that God was redirecting us back to California because there was an awakening there was a, a, he said, a remnant that he was raising that was going to experience the restorative operation of the Holy Spirit, but also reformation and outpouring, and that we were part of it. And so Jennifer and I, on that word alone, in December of 2021, we sold everything that we owned, loaded up a U-Haul, and came here just by faith. And of all places, landed in Orange County, which I now realize is the most expensive place to live in California. It's been quite a journey, but, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, what has been your experience uh, with what God is doing in California? What have you been hearing apostle uh, in these areas? Well, um, the reason that I'm connected with uh, America so strongly is because of HIM. I've been, uh, a commissioned apostles since about 2017, 2016-17. So that has been my connection. Obviously, if you understand my heart towards missions, my heart towards seeing nations, um, you know, break open and all that sort of thing. And then also the recognition of what I've done in these different nations um, all through Southeast Asia. Then uh, you can, the, the connection with HIM is obvious. So I've been, as you know, I've done the Apostle School. I've been a student of uh, what an apostolic um, sort of expression in a country means, and I've implemented that, and so forth and so forth. So I've been associated with HIM for some time. But uh, when I, uh, when COVID finished, I was locked down in Australia for two years. I'm used to travelling all over the world, and. So I had to stay in Australia for two years, went online like everybody else. Um, but at the end of that time, um, the uh, the country opened up in the beginning of 2000 and, you know, 20, uh, 2022. And the Lord spoke to me about coming to America. And this is the reason why. He said, I am going to pour out my spirit upon that nation. And you need to be there. That was the word that I got. I checked that with my wife, checked it with my ministry board. They all confirmed, they bore witness. And so my wife said, well, why don't you jump on a plane and go and check out the lay of the land? And and this is what I saw in the spirit. 
I feel like I, I saw that there's going to be a mighty awakening in America. And I saw that there is like a line between, um, you know, uh, LA and Savannah. And wow. um, it, this is like, a, like an equator line of revival. And as I started to look into LA, LA has been the source of revival for many years. Out of LA, you've of course got the Jesus People Movement. You've also got, um, you know, Catherine Kuhlman. You've got, uh, you know, the Foursquare Churches that uh, arose out of this uh, this city. And so it's in the spirit. I saw that LA was like a portal for revival. And not only that, if you look across the nation on the other side, on the east side, you know, um, Savannah has been where Charles Wesley originated and, you know, there was a whole, uh, there were a first leader in many revival movements in that part of the world. That's where the Wesley brothers first came oh. and so forth and so forth. And so I saw that this, this, this line across the, the nation of America, and that God was going to bring revival to the nation. And so I, I, I joined up. I had a, a word that revival was coming and that I was going to be a bridge between Australia because there's a fairly high significant profile in Australia. I was going to be a bridge to America. But this was the thing. I wasn't to take what's in America to Australia. It was the other way around. I was to take what's in Australia to America. Come on. To assist the revival that was going to happen. This, this is what the Lord spoke to me about. You know, and it's, it's high-level spirit stuff in that there was no details to it. It was just a call, a feeling, an impression. And so I booked the flight, and off I went. Well, um, because I was going to be away from my wife for a couple of months, I uh, contacted Tony Kim, uh, Tony Kim, Tony Kim, and I said, look, I'm coming. I want you to be my accountability pastor. You can ring up um, pastors after I've ministered there, make sure that, you know, I'm that everything was in order, that you know, and just keep me accountable uh, during this time, um, both morally and also doctrinally. And he agreed to that, but that led him into the idea that I was coming. Well, it wasn't like but two days when I arrived in the country that I got a call from him and Che uh, to explore this idea of coming on the team of HIM. And so within a week of arriving, none of this was pre-planned, uh, within a week of arriving, I was invited to take up a role within HIM as the operations uh, director for that executive team. And, uh, and, and, so, and so I began doing that. I ran last year's conference, ran this year's conference, and have been now involved in the expression of HIM worldwide. <clears throat> providing strategy, development, and so forth around those things. So this is right in line with my whole heart of reaching the nations. And the beauty of this is that God called me to America because of the revival that's coming, and out of this nation, I was then secured a role that involved exactly, it's almost like what my history has been for the last 20 years. And so I, I began that path, and... I had to go back to Australia, get my visa, <laughs> come back. And that's where I started working with HIM. And then uh, due to that work, 
Pastor Trey also asked if I would take care of one of the HRC churches in San Francisco. So that's how I ended up in San Francisco, again, supernaturally. And, um, and that's my life now. So I spent half the week in LA and half the week in San Francisco, half the week pastoring a church, half the week running HIM. And uh, it's been a wonderful journey. So I'm not only am I on the cold front of what what God is doing globally, revival-wise, I'm also participating at a local level, what God is doing, you know, in the, in the area of revival. Of course, uh, Apostle Zelli, I, I want to apologize. I um, didn't mean to not mention that you were the operations manager of Harvester National. Don't worry about that, John. Us Aussies, mate, we're not into the big titles and all that. Sort of. <laughs> That's a bit of a joke, to be honest with you. But, but I do want to say sincerely that I did see firsthand and experience firsthand serving on the team there, uh, the excellence of leadership and administrative grace that you operated in and just how kind you were and uh, very humble. So I do commend you. Uh, you are a great leader <clears throat> in that area. But uh, could you just maybe share one or two um, principles or things that you feel God uh, wants to bring from America that perhaps is operating in Australia? Would that be something you feel? Uh, I, I, I feel like, um, you know, I said that I felt God was, I was to bring something from Australia to America. And this is where I believe the state of it, the church is in America. It's gone through a wake-up call. That COVID is a blessing in disguise. Man. Because, it, yes, it was hard, and I feel very, very compassionate and sorry for people that suffered from that. Maybe they, they lost lost ones. And so um, I, I, I don't want to ever, ever get this idea that it was sent by God. No, it was sent by the enemy destroy churches and to destroy people. I call it a shot, I, I say it's a shot across the bow yeah. of the American church. Yeah. Absolutely. Up. <laughs> and God stepped in, you know, and this just confirms that scripture that God can take something that was meant for evil and turn it around for good. And this certainly yeah. was the situation of the COVID and he stepped into it and he woke the Australian American church up. Now, what I see that it was going down a path, and this is cultural because I come from a different nation, so I look and see things, is that America as a church was becoming very professional. And it was becoming like a business, if you ask me. And uh, I felt like, well, this is going down a dangerous road. And COVID for me was an equalizer. It brought it back down to the, the basics of what it's all about, and then put everybody on the same level. So it doesn't matter if you had a mega church or you had a church of 50, <laughs> you're both meeting online. <laughs> I mean, everybody was, um, you know, brought to that sort of um, equation. Man. That is of God. Because in order to move forward for the future, it's got to be done in a spirit of humility. Yes, sir. It, is, it has to be a genuine heart for people and a genuine heart and sacrifice for the kingdom of God. And I believe that Aussies capture that. Aussies are very raw in their worship. Aussies, are they don't go too much for the highfalutin stuff, as we say. 
they, 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 they're a little bit more down to earth. And they also, because of their culture, their background, whilst they honour people that have important roles, they're not in awe of people that have important roles. <laughs> so there's a difference. So healthy respect, but there's also not a superstar mentality. Now, I believe that's what America brings to America. And so I started to declare when I first arrived in America, the days of the superstar Christianity is over. And we are seeing a rising revival of the common folk. And I really believe that is the season that we are in right now. Because the, the, the people, the, the way that the revival is going to happen in the nation is not done by the superstars because the superstars can only have a limited amount of influences. So what really is the end time revival, the million soul harvest, the, 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 sorry, the billion soul harvest and all this sort of thing that we've been talking about, the final awakening, the big move of God, is when the average Christian realizes who they are in Christ and starts to step up and operate out of the calling of God on their life, that's when we're going to see the harvest. And so the, the, there's been a transition of the focus being towards the superstar, and now the superstar becoming an enabler to raise everybody else up. And that's the call that's happening right now. And so I, I feel like that's an element that comes from Australia, but I believe it's, it's what God's plan is for this nation at the time. This is so beautiful. This is so, and this really kind of describes my um, my journey over the past ten years. Of course, I I don't think I was ever someone great and a superstar, but you know that superstar uh, celebrity mindset can take place regardless of how many people you are uh, quote unquote ministering to. It, yep. It's all about a posture of allowing people. Yeah. You know, to lift you up. I remember there was a time when Jesus was amongst the people and he was ministering <clears throat> so many miracles and, and yep. healings. And then they sought to capture him to make him a king. Yeah. And the Bible says that he just disappeared from their midst. Yeah. He wouldn't even be part of it. Yep. And he understood the same people that cried, crucify him, <clears throat> which, I mean, excuse me, the same people that dropped the palm leaves, the symbol of rebellion against the Roman government by the Israelites. When they cast those palm leaves, it was nothing about their cries of Hosanna. It was, you know, trying to create that celebrity, uh, uh, you know, mindset. But uh, mm -hmm. he knew that the same ones that cried Hosanna would cry, crucify him very soon. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I'm with you on this. And if this is one thing God is bringing, you know, I love that statement you made, the revival of the common folk. And this is something that I've been hearing the Holy Spirit say about this billion soul harvest is that, he is. And of course, I do a lot of teaching and um, talking about the departure from the pyramid of religion that has that one leader at the top that, you know, is, is so powerful. And, and that's what religion is so great at, creating one or two great leaders that everyone reveres and honors. Whereas I look at the kingdom more as a roundtable, whereas yeah. the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher join hands and honor and prefer one another, but everything is, is going to the center of Jesus because we can't draw people to ourselves and to Jesus at the same time. It just won't happen. No, won't. And, and so, you know, uh, is, I feel like there's been a major shift and this is the season and the time that is upon the church. And then 
you got coinciding with that the rising of the apostolic and the prophetic movement. But there's a difference. In the rising of this movement, it's more like a fathering and mothering movement than it is a CEO-run business movement. And, and so now we're seeing our fathers and mothers um, rise up. And for years, people were saying, where are, the, where are the fathers? Where are the mothers? And we're seeing the apostolic movement is bringing that. And we're seeing a servant-based leadership rising where the whole objective of the apostolic and the prophetic is not so much to do that, but is to raise believers, according to Ephesians 4.11, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and to bring them around the unity and the fullness of Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ and 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 releasing people to minister, you know, okay. in, in this time. And and um, if you look at that, the structure of that the Greek in in that particular scripture, it, you could ignore the gifts because they're only gifts, and it says to the the, the subject of that verse is not the fivefold gifts, but it's the saint. This is to the saints he has given. Oh, to the saints he has given these gifts to equip them for the work of the ministry and also to bring them around the full measure, the unity of the faith and the full measure of Christ. And so we're seeing a shift even in the apostolic movement where we're going away from a professional clergy to a releasing of every believer ministry and a raising of those fivefold gifts in every believer. Everybody's called to look after people pastoring. Everybody's called to have revelation from God and prophesy. Everybody's called to, you know, step out in faith and break new territory. Everybody's called to share their faith. Everybody's called to be a student of the word, but you're seeing now the gifts coming and enabling the everyday believer to rise up in these gifts. And so you're raising the umbrella and the expression of revival across the nation. And it's when you activate the everyday believer, that's the only way, and this was Jesus' plan from the beginning, I fill you with the Holy Spirit, and you're going to become my witness. This is the only way you're going to see the big and soul harvest is when you activate the everyday common, the revival of the common folk. Right. Come on. So I, I, and I can see it so clearly, and I've, I've just had a recent revelation of the difference between, um, you know, the different gifts. You've got the gifts in Corinthians, which is, you know, the words of knowledge and gift of prophecy. And it says these things have been given for the building up, encouraging, and exhorting of the church. Now, who is the person that gives those gifts? It's the Holy Spirit. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? To bring comfort, to bring exhortation. He says he's called the helper, he's called the comforter. But the gifts in Ephesians 4, 11, 13, they're given by Jesus. It says Jesus gives those gifts. So what's the calling upon Jesus? It's called to build the church. The calling of the Holy Spirit is to bring a comfort and support. And so that's why it says that, you know, the gift of prophecy is to build up courage and exhort. But Jesus is... It says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not stand upon it. That is his mission that is called, is to raise the ecclesia. And so what you are seeing is a wake-up call come to the everyday believer by the expression of the apostle and the prophets to build the church. And that is to wake the church up, to stand up and become the ecclesia to their nation. This is the revival of the common folk. And it is a massive move of God that is happening right now. And You know, you're on a roll and I, I'm loving it, but we're running out of a little bit of time here, but I just really wanted to comment on that. Just, 
you know, the APES, the Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Pastor, teach, Shepherd, Teacher, you know, I grew up in a, a atmosphere where if, in verse 12, it says that this team, this servant-based leadership team of fathers and mothers that are raising up sons and daughters to become fathers and mothers themselves, that they are there for the perfecting of the believers, for the work of the ministry. And I believe that, that the work of the ministry is, is to be facilitated through the believers. You know, I, I grew up in, in, in structures that, you know, three or four qualified people on a platform were all that were allowed to do the work of ministry. The rest just sat back and supported them. Yeah. And this is why we weren't reaching our cities and really, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, seeing God move in, 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 in great outpourings because of that limitation. But I do see that in Ephesians 4 and 12, that the work of the ministry really is when we perfect and equipped and edify the body of Christ to do the work of ministry. Not us doing it all ourselves, but empowering and releasing them into their spheres of destiny. Amen. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So we're just about out of time. I apologize. Um, uh, if, if we could kind of wrap up this. this uh, I want to share just a, a, yes. one last thing with you. Yes, please. When, uh, we all know about Joel chapter 2. It says, in those last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And we all get excited when we hear about this great outpouring in the last days of the Holy Spirit. But we forget to read chapter 3. And in chapter 3, it goes on to say, you know, let the nations be roused and, you know, uh, get ready for war. Proclaim it upon the nations, reading from verse 9, 3, 9. Stir up the mighty men. Let all the men of uh, war draw near. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong, I am a warrior. Hurry up, come all your nations and gather there. This is the end time revival we're talking about. But the interesting thing that we don't see in this scripture, we're often uh, so excited about chapter two, the great outpouring, prophesying, dreams and visions and things like that. But what we don't see in chapter three is who's going to do that. Who's going to be the mighty men? Who's going to be the warriors? Who's going to be... The ones, and it says it very clearly, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks and let the weak say I'm strong. Now, what are plowshares? What are pruning hooks? They are normal, everyday instruments of farming. They're common folk, right? And and and, and what is, who are going to be the mighty warriors? The weak ones, right? The common folk. The ones that are going to take their everyday lives, their everyday instruments, their everyday income, and they're going to become mighty warriors. They're going to wake up. And these are the ones that are going to bring the nations to God. Come on. I believe that we are entering into a, and I'm going to say it again, we are entering into a massive awakening oh. of God. And that awakening is coming when we are seeing a revival of the common folk. And everything is, the jigsaw is coming together. The apostolic and prophetic movement is coming together. Joel chapter 2 is being performed right before our sight. And what we're going to see is a massive move of God like we've never seen before when people start to realize who they are in Christ and what they can do under the anointing of God. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Amen. Bleach your, beat your plowshares and the swords and your pruning hooks and the spears. It's time for the army of God to rise up. Amen. To see the spheres of society impacted in a powerful way. Every sphere bowing its knee to the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, 
Apostle Zelli, could you just close us out uh, just with uh, some prayer or whatever you feel to do in these last few seconds? Father, we just thank you for what you're doing and your plan to raise a community of people, a super community, according to Ephesians, that will see the revival that you have in your heart for the turning back of your people to you. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing right now. We are excited to be a part of it. We humble ourselves before you and say, God, use us. Use us in this hour. This is a mighty hour. And I pray, Father, as we humble ourselves and come before you with an open heart, prepared to lay our lives down, prepared to give sacrifice, I believe we're going to see a massive enabling of the church like we've never seen before. So I pray more Holy Spirit, more power, more revelation, more raising, more excitement, more of a move of God like we've never seen before. But I pray for every single believer that they may have a revelation of who they are in Christ and they may carry that revival spirit in their own heart. We thank you for what you're doing. And we just accept it and receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Daniel. Thank you for your time today. No thank you for obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit. And thank you for what you're bringing and adding to the kingdom of God and for what God is doing and raising up great leaders, great ministers, servant-based fathers and mothers to raise up sons and daughters to become Amen. fathers and mothers in the kingdom. Amen. God bless you, sir. Have a great bless day. You. Bless you.